We read the same in our English Bibles, Acts chapter 1, reading 9 through 11. Jesus ascending into heaven. <coughs> now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, that's when his disciples watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they watched steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And then if you go to Acts 7, you think, okay, Jesus went up, but where did he go? What's he doing? And you have one picture of what he's doing in Acts chapter 7. Peter, or sorry, not Peter, Stephen, he was a deacon, and he was preaching Jesus to the people, to the Jews, one who already had ascended. And then listen to what happens in Acts chapter 7. You see a contrast between the noisy, angry crowds and the calm Stephan. Verse 51. He applies his sermon, he says to them, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul was consenting to his death. And our focus this morning is 55 and 56. And you'll notice that in 55, Stephen has a vision. And then in verse 56, he shares it. He tells the others what he sees. So likewise, we're going to see how we today share in that same vision. It's our vision too as believers. And we also share in Stephen's testimony of the ascended Jesus Christ. It's the truth. Jesus really did go up into heaven in his body 
There is no doubt about it. How do we know? Because the Bible says so. Right? For 40 days, 40 days after Jesus arose from the dead, what happened? He was showing himself to all the other believers, the disciples, that he really was living. He had risen from the dead. And then, come on in. And then, what happens as he sees them, or as he's, as he's showing himself to them, what's he talking to them about? He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. That is, how the Holy Spirit is going to come and empower the church for witness, and all because Christ is going to reign from heaven. When Christ reigns from heaven, he is going to continue his work on earth. And when Jesus was finished saying these things, what happened? The disciples watched him, and Jesus went up, up, up into heaven. And then the Bible says a cloud hid him from their sight. And they saw him no more. You know, Jesus really ascended into heaven for our good, for our advantage. Now at the end of this first section of the book of Acts, what do we see here? We see Stephen, who is dying. And he himself was also looking into heaven, gazing into heaven. And what does he see? He sees the glory which shines forth from God. And at his right-hand side, he sees Jesus. And he sees Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Wow. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, in this vision, we receive an encouragement as Christians in the face of those who want to hurt us. There are people, there are Christians we know today, many Christians, who are being hurt by other people because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And yeah, we see those times coming to Canada too. They're coming. Those days are coming. It looks more and more evident that way, and it's all throughout the world. But you know what? In the midst of that, Jesus wants to encourage us. The ascended Lord Jesus from heaven wants to encourage us. How? By also sharing in Stephen's vision. Right? That's what we see in verse 55. By sharing in Stephen's vision. And then second of all, by sharing in his testimony. After all, we live in the days of the Holy Spirit. You see that with Stephen, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the church, the believers who belong to Jesus have the Holy Spirit so that they share in this vision and can stand with Christ against their persecutors. That's what we see, first of all, today. We look at Stephen's vision. We share in it. That's an encouragement. Stephen, you know what Stephen means? Stephen means crown. What a beautiful name. Crown. 
And his story begins in Acts 6. And if you go back to Acts chapter 6, we see that Stephen was one of the seven chosen men to be a deacon in the church. And we read there in chapter 6, verse 5, that he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, what, so close to God and he's stoned to death? Yeah, those things happen. right? Just because we're close to God doesn't mean hard things don't happen. Stephen was very close to God. Very close to Jesus. Full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And we read in chapter 6 and chapter 7, he is standing for Christ. He's standing as a witness for Christ, defending him. And he's saying to the Jews, you know that temple over there? That's no longer real, your temple. Jesus is the true temple. He has replaced the temple. No more holy buildings, he's saying to them. And he's saying, in your interpretation of the Bible, you're, you're missing the point. He's saying the whole Bible, the whole Testament is fulfilled in Jesus. So he's just telling them about Jesus. Jesus, who is ascended into heaven, who died for our sins, rose again from the dead, and is seated as king at the right hand. And we read in chapter 6, verse 10, they were not able to stand against the wisdom of Stephen and the spirit, the Holy Spirit by which he spoke. And so what happens? A big fight breaks out. A dispute. And he was brought before the council, so the court, called the Sanhedrin. There were a, a council of Jews, and he was brought before them on charges. They were false charges. They were not real charges. They were bogus charges. And he was brought before them on the charges of blasphemy. And we read in chapter 6, verse 15, all who sat in the council, they stared at him. What did they see? They saw his face as the face of an angel. Right? It just, uh, the spirit was evident in his life and in his look. And Stephen just gives a strong defense of Jesus in chapter 7 before the council. And at the end he says, you know, brethren, you need to turn to Christ. You need to turn away from your your temple that you're trusting in, your ways, your old ways, you need to trust on Jesus. And what happens? They were cut to the heart. You know, we read that earlier in Acts chapter 2. Remember when Peter was preaching? They were cut to the heart. But they believed and were baptized. But these people, these Jews, they were cut to the heart. They did not believe. Instead of turning away from their sins, instead of accepting Christ as their Savior and Lord, they got really, really angry. And it says there they gnashed at him with their teeth. You know, the gnashing is kind of like grinding. You can just see the, they're clenched, the clenched fist. They also have a clenched mouth. They are so furious. They put their hands over, they want to hear another word. You ever see people do that? want to hear another word they run at him in one accord you also read about one accord in Acts chapter 2 when they were cut to the heart they believed and they met in one accord right in fellowship 
rejoicing. But here they are in one accord against Christ. And they show that by going against Stephen. They take him out of the city and they just throw stones at him. They even take their clothes off. Why do they take their clothes off? Because it's just easier to run around and it's just easier to throw stones when you take your clothes off. You're no impediments. And they laid those clothes where? At the feet of a young man named Saul. What do you see here? You know what you see here is you see the work of the ascended Lord Jesus Christ working in the heart and life of Stephen by the Holy Spirit. How do we see that? You see the evidence of the work of the ascended Christ by making Stephen very, very calm. What do you see? You see his calm trust in Christ and everyone around him being noisy and angry and shouting. Picture the contrast. Where does Stephen receive this calmness? Where does he receive this courage, this strength? Here's the evidence that Jesus ascended to heaven and has poured out his spirit. You see it manifested. You see it in the life of Stephen. He's standing strong because of Christ's work in him. And he's able to stay calm. He knows the Lord Jesus is bigger than all those who oppose him. All of them together. He is bigger than them. Oh, you know, the situation looks so bad. It looks so bad, really bad for the church. Really bad for the church. And yet Stephen looks up and he sees something so glorious. It's almost like he doesn't even see his surroundings anymore. Sometimes we look out and we wonder. But the answer always is to look up. And what does Stephen see? It says here, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Wow! What an encouragement from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The whole world can be against you. But you know what's the most important thing in life? That God is for you. Romans 8 says, when God is for us, who can be against us? And that's what Stephen sees. Boy, he is so encouraged. He's so strengthened in his faith. We see with Stephen a vision from heaven. That's, Jesus shares that vision with us too. We don't need to have a literal vision. That vision is, is in the Bible so that we share in this vision as well. We share in it. Jesus, our Savior, is on the throne. Where? At the right hand. What does the right hand signify? Right hand signifies honor and authority and power. That's what Stephen sees. Jesus went up, but to occupy a throne, to sit on the throne over the whole world. Now, we need to see a couple of things here. Okay? Jesus, what, Jesus, what does Jesus want us to see here? First of all, he wants us to see 
that he really is the king of the whole world. There is no other king that's greater than him. He's the only king, the only true king who lives forever and ever and ever and ever. Wow, that's great implications, isn't it? It's really a call to the world to submit to him in faith. Well, the Bible tells us, in terms of his kingship, I just want to mention two things what the Bible says about Jesus being king. The first thing the Bible tells us is that all things in the world have been put under his feet. And when something's under your feet, what does that show? You have authority. Look Look at Ephesians 1. In the Bible, we read these words, that God seated him at the right hand, where? Far above, higher, far, far higher than all principalities and powers and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put, there it is, he has put all things under his feet. And God gave Jesus to be head, in other words, to be the authority over all things. For what purpose? For what sake? For the sake of the church. Always remember that. The church, though the world like to put the church under its feet, that's not the true picture. Christ is working all things out for the sake of the church because the church is in the center of his plan. That's what the Bible says. Something else about his kingship. Not only are all things under him, but it also says he rules over all his enemies. Psalm 110. If you look at Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2, those words are fulfilled in Jesus. What does it say there? The Lord, that's God the Father, said to my Lord, that's Jesus, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. And then it says, rule in the midst of your enemies. This comes as a command. So Jesus is commanded to rule in the midst of his enemies and our enemies. Now, you think, what? Stephen being stoned? Is that evidence of rule? You bet it is. Because they could take his way as life, but they really couldn't take his way as life because all they did is they, what do they do? They ushered him into the arms of Christ, who lives forever and ever, and so do believers. This is what dying Stephen sees with his own eyes, as stones are being pelted upon him. Only here, what does Stephen see? He doesn't see Jesus seated. All throughout the Bible you read about Jesus being seated. But what do you see Jesus doing here? What does he see Jesus doing here? Standing. Why is Jesus standing? At God's right hand, he's not only seated as our eternal king, but he's standing because he is standing there as a witness. The court below, all the witnesses condemn Stephen. But there's one greater, a single witness that matters and only matters, and that's the witness of Christ. Witnesses stand, don't they? You go to court, what do witnesses do? They stand. That's why Jesus is standing. 
know, Stephen. Stephen has been confessing Christ before men, and now he sees Christ confessing Stephen before his father, before God the Father in heaven. You can read about that in Matthew 10, verse 32. Those who confess Christ before men on earth, him he will also confess before his Father in heaven. Those who deny Christ on earth, him he will also deny before his Father in heaven. Stephen is being confessed before God the Father. He's condemned by witnesses below, by a court on earth, but Jesus stands as victor. Jesus is the light of Jesus that reigns, not the darkness. Is the life of Jesus that continues, not death. And that's what Stephen sees. He, he sees that vision, and Christ wants us to share that vision. What an, what an inspiration to stand firm in our faith in Christ. You know what else is so interesting here? Jesus is standing here as Stephen's advocate, as his lawyer, you could say, as his defense lawyer in heaven. Why is Jesus doing that? Because on the basis of his finished sacrifice on the cross, Jesus died for his sins. His sins are forgiven. Stephen believes. And that's why the good news, that's why the joy and the confession of Stephen before the Father in heaven. Something else here too. You know, you think that Jesus would be so busy that he would not notice single individuals or single believers. <laughs> right? Here's just one believer. Maybe Jesus is so busy that, oops, I forgot. No. It really is an encouragement to every believer. Not one believer is missed. Every believer belongs to Christ equally. Stephen here is one example. And you know, in the midst of Christ's busyness, yes, he also takes the time to encourage one believer here, and really, the whole church. In this vision, the Lord encourages us today, doesn't he? In the face of of human suffering. You know there's one organization called Open Doors. It says on average every month, every month 345 Christians are killed for their faith in Christ. Every month. Okay, 219 Christians are detained without a trial. That's in addition, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. And you look around and you think this looks really bad. It looks really bad for Christians in the world. But always remember, always remember, as we remember our brothers and sisters in places like Nigeria, where the slaughters are by the thousands, Iran and India, Pakistan, China. China is horrible. This helps us to remember to pray for them, that they too may have the encouragement of this vision to look up to gaze at Christ. It does not end in death for the believer. Life continues. And so does the light in Christ. Jesus knows what he's doing. He's on the throne. He has a purpose for everything. And sometimes he chooses to show his glory in 
what looks really weak, and yet he reveals his strength and power in the moment of weakness. Think of Stephen. Yeah, God could have spared Stephen, as he had done earlier with Peter and John, but God, in his love and his purpose, he chose for Stephen to be the first Christian martyr. For what purpose? In order to even cause more people to become believers in Jesus. That's what you see. If you read in Acts chapter 8, persecution, and there's more and more people becoming believers. And more and more people that are coming into, that will enter into heaven with Jesus. That's the vision. Stephen never got to see that. That happened after he died. That's what happened. And Stephen would have never have known that, by the way, those clothes of those that were stoning Stephen, where were the, whose feet were they laid at? Saul. And what happened to Saul? You see the same King Jesus confronting Paul as Paul is ready to persecute more Christians. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you see how Saul becomes a great defender of Christ and starts preaching Christ. Stephen never would have known that. I mean, there are the jewels, the joys that we would never necessarily see in the perils of persecution. Christ is doing his work, marvelous work. And never forget, the church remains the center, the jewel, the crown of his eyes, in his hands. Stephen means jewel, crown. Wow. Hebrews 2 verse 8. If you look at that, there we read the words, But now we do not yet see all things put under Jesus, but we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. That's an expression of faith. You might not see it with your eyes, physical eyes, but it's a statement of faith, isn't it? Jesus is not dead. He's living. He's busy. He's working hard. He's working hard for the church. And sometimes, yes, bringing the church through hard times. But in the meantime, he's reigning. He's preparing mansions for believers. He's always interceding for them. And he's growing his kingdom, really so. We now have, you could say, our man. Everyone likes to have their man on the throne. We have our man. Jesus, who's truly God, yes. But we also have our man, the second Adam, who now has reclaimed dominion over the whole world and is multiplying believers, sometimes through persecution, many times through persecution. One author says it this way, the presence of the Lord Jesus was much more real to Stephen at that moment than the angry shouts of the mob. It's like he didn't even hear them anymore because his vision had so drowned out the noise of the mob. May our Lord Jesus, who went up into heaven to be king, continue to encourage us. Let's share in that vision. Let's share in that vision. Having this vision will do what? Will compel us to testify. Not close our mouth, but open our mouth. Because he's already won. 
He's already won. And now we are compelled by that kind of vision to share, to witness to Christ and his glory. And that leads us briefly to our final point, verse 56. That's exactly what Stephen does. The, the crowds are rioting around him and they're coming, with him at, coming to him with stones. And what does he say? Look, I see the heavens open. He's telling them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You notice what Stephen says here? In verse 55, he talks about, he sees Jesus. But when he shares his testimony, what does he say? He calls Jesus the Son of Man. Why does he call Jesus the Son of Man? When he's testifying to those who are hurting him, he says, I see the Son of Man. What's the reason? Stephen knows, Stephen knows that when Christ was on trial before the same council and they were questioning him, what did Jesus say to them before he died on the cross the night before? He said, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sit at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. And it's for this reason that they put Jesus to death on the cross. And now Stephen reminds them of that. Look, I see the Son of Man. They know full well what they did to Jesus. And now the truth condemns them. That's why they're so angry. You know, when sometimes when people tell you the truth, how do we respond? We sometimes get really angry. Because we know it's true, but we're so angry that we were caught, that we were found out about it. That's what happens here. They stop their ears, they take Stephen out, and they stone him. Now, if we just go back to the term son of man, they, the Jews who were killing Stephen, they knew what the term son of man meant because they had the Old Testament scriptures. And if you look at Daniel 7, 13 and 14, there Daniel had a vision. And what was that vision? This is what the Jews knew. They knew the scripture. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. We read these words. To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. So Jesus, sorry, Daniel sees one like the son of man. To him was given dominion, glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. His kingdom will never be destroyed. When they hear Son of Man, they're thinking this passage. They say, this Jesus cannot be the one. And Stephen says, yes, he is the one. He is the Son of Man. He's the one. This is the one I'm testifying to. He's the Christ. This is Jesus. And he is God. Ruler and king over all. The mob drags him out of the city and stones him. And you notice Stephen here? You see the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the exalted Christ working in his life. Notice this. While the crowds are crying out with a loud voice against him, what is Stephen doing? 
He's crying with a loud voice for them. Wow. He's crying for them. He says, Lord, verse 60, do not charge them with this sin. As the stones, big stones, are pelting Stephen, he manages somehow, he manages to get on his knees and turn to Christ and says, These people, Lord, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're sinning against you. They don't know where they're going to end up. They're going to end up in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. His love just breaks for them. Even as he's getting hurt by many, many, many stones. Wow. This was the Spirit of the exalted Son of Man at work in Stephen. That's the only explanation. This is the miracle. <laughs> we talk about miracles. This is the miracle of God's grace in the life of his children. Courage. You, you, you see such a, a balance here. Courage. Not willing to deny Christ. And at the same time, such love, such compassion. Getting on knees and praying for those who are hurting him. Yeah, we live in a society today that doesn't like to hear that Jesus is the only way of salvation for all people. But it's true. There is no other way that God can forgive sins except through Jesus Christ. There is no other hope. There's no other life. There's no other future except Christ. And when you say that, People will get irritated. People will get upset. In some places, worse things happen. But you know what? They always say clarity and charity, right? Two things. Clarity, yes, we need to be clear. We need to stand firm for Christ. But at the same time, our hearts ought to melt for, the, for those who, who would hurt us to pray for them, to show compassion for them, as we see here. Pastor Wong, you may have heard of him. He's a pastor in China, a well-known Chinese house church. I think it's a Reformed church. And he was arrested, and he was put in prison in December of 2018. And he thought his days, those days were coming, but he wrote these words. He says, when you, if this happens to me, you make sure you share my words with Christians all around the world. And this is what he wrote. He says, those who question me, those who interrogate me, they will finally be questioned and judged by Christ. He says, when I think of this, the Lord fills me with a compassion and a sadness and grief towards those who are trying to imprison me. Pray that the Lord would use me. Pray that he would give me patience and wisdom. Pray that I may give them the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he says, but no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith in Jesus. I would rather be executed, but I will never plead guilty. That's Stephen. He didn't plead guilty. He could not. 
He prayed for them. Why was Stephen willing to pray for his enemies? Well, you notice why he could do that? Because the peace of God was already in his heart. The peace that comes through Christ. The peace that comes through the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ. The perfect sacrifice for sin had been offered. And the heavens are open for all who trust on the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. See what Stephen says in verse 56? Look, I see the heavens opened. It's open. It's open through Christ. The way to God is open through Christ. Stephen saws it. He says, I'm sharing this. And I'm sharing it with all of you. This is the way to God. And he gives his life over to Jesus. And he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That means he dies in the hands of Christ. He's surrounded by noise and shouting and the pelting of stones. But he was calm in the face of death. And there Jesus is standing, ready to receive him and welcome him. They didn't know. They thought they were putting his life to an end. But what were they doing? They were simply escorting him. They were simply escorting him into the arms of Christ, where there's the promise of a new body, a body that will be raised from the dead. We read in verse 60, and he fell asleep. What a peaceful scene here. Stephen fell asleep. That means he died. What a peaceful description of so brutal a death. May the words, in conclusion, may the words of Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 encourage us. You know what those words say? Ephesians 4 or Hebrews 4? Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. See, it's opened. Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor, sharing his vision of Stephen, sharing his testimony. That's what we do. Yes, we know as the Bible says, all those who do not believe in Christ and surrender their lives to him should be really, really scared because he is the Lord of lords and he is the King of kings. But no, all who believe in Christ, you belong to him. Not because of what you have done, but because of what Christ has done and finished on the cross for you. We're saved by his goodness. Not ours. You belong to him by faith. He can. And he will take care of you. Trust him. Trust him. Amen.